We're going to pick up where we left off, reading from the subtle sound, the Zen teachings of Maureen Stewart, <coughs> edited by Roko Sherry Chayat. And we just had um, heard the, the story of the burglars, um, an analogy for the nature of our um, practice. The point being that we we learn on our feet, <clears throat> or we could maybe say on our seat. Uh, nobody can um, give us a, a set of foolproof instructions that can be pointers made, but ultimately each of us has to find our own way because each of us is different. Warren Stewart continues, Like the burglar who locked his son in a chest as a way of teaching him his trade, a good Zen teacher puts the student in a box from which there seems to be no way out. Surely everyone who has worked on koans has had times when they felt like they were locked inside a box. No way out. Really, each of us has to um, become a Houdini. Find find our way out of this box. And what what the box is made of, the walls of the box are made of our um, egoistic opinions and ideas and attachments. The more we practice, the more we come to know our own minds and we come to realize the absolute hopelessness of the mind restrained by the ego. All our accumulated knowledge is inadequate. Our teacher tells us over and over again, be simple, be plain, be ordinary, be open, have no fixed ideas. And still, we hang on to the idea that we can achieve something. Finally, we give it up. A young man told me he was walking step after step after step and how wonderful that was. Finally, he had given up the idea that he had to do something. When we completely surrender into this, then everything goes quite smoothly. When we give up the egoistic effort, when we stop saying, I have certain standards or I demand such and such for myself, then we can do the very best we can. We walk with full concentration in the moment and let everything else take care of itself. Some of our, our living up to certain standards can be quite unconscious. Stuff that, that is, is old in us that comes from from what we were told as children. And very common is the desire to please, to, to impress, 
to live up to sets of standards which um, come from outside us. Think of um, Flora Courtois. Some of you will have heard her story. She had this uh, spontaneous deep awakening at the age of 17 or 18. And um, one of the things, one of the things that happened after this breakthrough was that she, her, her university grades went down and she comments that she was, some, in some classes they went up and others they went down and she was then studying to what interested her and what drew her rather than to some external standards. Something else that must be given up is the idea of labeling. This universe and everything in it, including ourselves, is in a flowing situation. There are no fixed identities. The true Buddhist doesn't say, I'm a Buddhist, or I'm a Zen Buddhist, or I'm a Tibetan Buddhist. We are just human beings. When the Buddha was asked to give a definition of reality, he didn't put any label on it. He referred to ongoing, to not becoming, and not made, not compounded. He directed us to look into matters of our own experience, to examine the nature of suffering. Where does our suffering come from? My way, my opinion, this is the way things should be. I have to do it this way. When we let go of this egoistic way of life, we discover what Obaku said. Obaku's Chinese name is Huang Po. Mind, universal mind or reality, is no other than the Buddha, and Buddha is no other than sentient beings. When mind assumes the form of sentient beings, it has suffered no decrease, and when it has become a Buddha, it has added nothing to itself. read Wang Po's words again. Mind, universal mind or reality, is no other than the Buddha, and the Buddha is no other than sentient beings. When mind assumes the form of sentient beings, it has suffered no decrease, and when it has become a Buddha, it has added nothing to itself. One of the um, outcomes of recent cosmology is more and more people realizing that everything needed for uh, the existence of what is existing now, here in this, in this Zendo, for example, was, was there at the beginning. It was there at the, at the Big Bang. Nothing has been added. We, if we look at a, a worm... Everything in, is there in that worm needed for it to evolve into other forms. 
And of course it is one of our many ancestors. This Buddha seed is present in everything. Nothing needs to be added. So clear away these deep-seated notions that a real, substantial and abiding ego exists. Thank goodness it does not. It did not and it will not. What a relief! As we go along in this practice, we begin to see things differently. But don't expect anything. Don't think my life will change dramatically. To say my life is to go back to that egoistic process. Just do what needs to be done and let the results take care of themselves. Be patient. Everything will change. We think we know how this process unfolds. But but whatever we know, we think we know, gets in the way. Be patient, she says. Everything will change. Before Sashin, I was talking to Martha Thompson, um, who's been volunteering in the kitchen, and uh, she now works with a Tibetan teacher, and she said that one of the things that really struck her with Tibetan teachers in general was their extraordinary patience. Patience, of course, is one of the six parameters or the essential ingredients of the, of the uh, Bodhisattva way, along with giving ethical conduct, effort, meditation and wisdom. Patience, we can, we can underrate it. We think it's something that just involves you know, enduring what is difficult. But it's an element of patience is having a long view. Thinking not just of our, ourselves, but of all who will come after us. What would we leave for them? And, and all that came before us, all those who came before us, will we will requite our debt of gratitude to our ancestors, Dharma ancestors, biological ancestors, With patience, we can avoid sabotaging our practice and keep taking the lid off that, that pot we're trying to get to boil and checking it out. No, just put the lid on and do what's needed. Let the results take care of themselves, as Maureen Stewart says. Put our faith in change. 
Next Our section is called uh, Daily Life Practice is the Way. Often when a student comes to see me, I ask, how is your everyday life koan going? Our strong formal zazen training helps us to live our ordinary lives supremely well, to do the best of our ability, not make inordinate demands on ourselves, but accepting what we can do step by step, not being discouraged because things do not go as perfectly as we think they should go, but being patient and mindful and observing how this condition changes moment after moment, sitting after sitting. One minute we may be very sad, depressed about something that we feel we have not done very well. In the next moment we realize that after all, we must drop it and move on. That moment represents something else, and then something else again, presents something else and something else again. Being constantly aware of impermanence, how helpful that is in our lives. This is something we can trust in and, and um, depend on. Impermanence. A monk named Rojosa was once lifting a kettle for the tea ceremony when he accidentally overturned it. What was under the kettle? asked the government official for whom Ro was making tea. This is a um, case from the Hikigaropu. What makes us have accidents? What has caused the overturning of the kettle? Do we allow an accident to knock us off base, or do we just keep steadily moving on? I think here of the, this, the saying in the, in the theatre... The, the show must go on. If, even if you get fed the wrong lines or you get your own lines, the show must go on. We, we have to take what is given to us in, a, in that situation, in a, a theatre situation. Even if we get the wrong line, we have to make the best of it. What we think is is the wrong line, and sometimes improvisation um, is creative. In each koan, some words are very important, and some are not so important. In this one, watch out for what is under the kettle. Watch out for what is under your feet. Maintain your firm awareness of body and mind wherever you are. Maintain your firm awareness of body and mind wherever you are. Stay grounded. If you feel yourself um, unmoored in one way or another, then just feel your feet on the ground or your seat on the cushion. Breathe. Look around. See where you are. Sozan, the third patriarch, says in his poem On Believing in Mind, One in all, all in one. If only this is realized, no more worry about your be not being perfect. 
It's a little different from the translation from our chant, Affirming Faith and Mind. We say, one thing is all, all things are one. Know this and all is whole and complete. But this message in the in uh, first translation is an important one for us to hear. No more worry about your not being perfect. It's a koan for many of us. What what is is perfect about things? We see so many faults everywhere. How can we see the perfection that is there? continues, no more worry about tipping over the pot during the tea ceremony or keeping things in some pristine condition. If only this is realized, it's in quotes, we are able to regain our balance moment after moment. We are not knocked off base by little mishaps that come up in our life. We are not, swallowing, we are not wallowing in them, not indulging in self-pity. Self-pity um, will, will, is guaranteed to uh, make us feel isolated. There's a little practice we can do which can be very helpful in this regard. Um, it's kind of like a simplified form of, of the, the Tibetan Tonglen practice. If you something difficult has come up, something that you're you're struggling with, you can just say to yourself, "May all people who are suffering like this be free of their suffering." Suddenly, you go from isolation to being part of a, a vast web of people. Maybe it's a certain kind of illness that you're experiencing or um, an afflictive emotion, just in that moment to send out a wish that uh, all those suffering as you are suffering are free from their suffering. This is very helpful, if we can remember to do it, and that's, the, that's the th- where we need our, our daily practice to keep our presence of mind, not get, get sucked in. Daily life practice is the way. This is the hardest practice. But if we think of the tea ceremony, it may help. What is under that kettle that's warming the water in your life? What is the firm foundation that you are making now, sitting in this strong zazen posture, following your breath, letting all the extraneous stuff fall off? This is what we are doing, making a wonderful firm base for the kettle. And if the kettle gets spilled, if some accident occurs, we maintain our firm footing, our mu shin. This is um, no mind, mu shin. In the story about overturning of the tea kettle, Rojosa's teacher, Myosho, says, still you wander about the countryside working with a stump. Um, our vision of the this has working with uh, gathering charred wood. So it seems pretty a pretty useless thing to be doing. 
He means, what are you, why are you not getting down to what is essential? Why are you not really devoting yourself to this great matter? Ro answers, what about you? And, and Maureen Stewart comments, don't ask someone else. Please work on your own original answer in life. Take care of your own life. Drive your own life. Get on with your own affairs. And she tells the story of once going to see Soan Nakagawa. Um, and he asked, how did you get here? Good Zen opening question. And uh, she said, I drove my car. And then he asked, how are you driving your life? a question we can all ask like like peeing no one can do it for us you may wonder what about this matter of pain desire all of that in the heart sutra we read that, that the prajnaparamita dharani completely clears all suffering we have an ours um, whose words allay all pain But to have no pain and no desire is to become dead. In fact, it means to have no, con- no connection. This is where our pain comes from. We, often we feel pain for others' suffering, but the pain of dissatisfaction and depression is connected with selfish ideas. Of course, sometimes we have to be selfish to some extent, as in protecting our space, our health, our time. But when the small self stays small and does not expand to more than itself, then indeed there is pain, pain and and isolation. When this small self finds itself enveloped in that wider and deeper being, then it is not merely a relative self, and we can accept the pains of everyday life with more courage, more endurance. This is what Zen gives us. bigger frame we could say or no frame that circle that has whose centre is everywhere and circumference is nowhere that's, that's what we're a part of if we just can recognise it There are two Buddhist terms, ri and ji in Japanese. Ri means universal truth. Ji means a particular event or phenomenon. Another way of saying it is formlessness and form. Ji also means a technique that can be seen and taught. But what is formless cannot be seen or taught or even chosen. The ji of Zazen the instruction in how to practice is very simple, very plain, very straightforward. But there is a deeper meaning of this instruction with respect to posture and breathing. Our attitude towards life is expressed in our posture. Each one of us knows by the condition of our own breath what is going on in our minds, our composure or lack of composure. 
re shows itself in every situation, but it is expressed not only in wonderful Zen calligraphy, but in our lives, in the art of living. <coughs> we can, um, if we're in a particular mind state, uh, one of the things we can do is to um, check our posture. Are we, are we con- collapsed in, uh, slumped over? Are we uh, too tight? How, what is our breath doing? Yes, we can regulate ourselves by staying aware of these. <coughs> and not just in the zendo, but everywhere. continues, I cannot do calligraphy, but I have practiced the piano over and over and over. I have done really deep practice and have always considered it my spiritual practice from the earliest days of my life. So instead of doing a calligraphy for you, I may say, would you like to hear a Bach prelude and fugue? That is my Zen expression. The point of using some one special way again and again, it's way in the sense of um, a particular art or discipline is that our expression becomes clearer and clearer through the discipline just as with Zazen, sitting after sitting everything becomes clearer when we are in the condition of Mu Shin even to some small degree then nature and spirit human and superhuman become one then the great works of art are created Looking at a calligraphy by Soen Roshi, we feel how Mu wrote Mu. There has been no egocentric attempt at effect or or interference, but simply a spontaneous and wonderfully vivid expression that comes straight out of us. There is no fixing it up, no removing the smudges, no brushing it over. It's just as it is. one of the the beauties of really great art is uh, are the imperfections something very perfect is is in a sense dead in a way that uh, something with flaws is not it's alive The ego is the natural enemy of all great human activity. When it is out of the way, we are in a heavenly condition. In this state of selflessness, our energy makes the heavens dance, not choosing to do, but being done. In the Tang period, the golden age of Zen in China, there were no koans, there were just living situations. Any time, any place was the place of practice. Everything at hand, every event was an occasion for the forceful and free functioning of Zen. So it is in our lives. Any time, any place is our place of practice. It's wonderful to have a Zendo to come to, but in fact we carry our Zendo within us everywhere we go.
she mentions about um, when we're free of ego, it's it's a heavenly condition, and where our energy makes the heavens dance. This this um, dance is a is a important. Um, element in in practicing the sense of playfulness or or um, joining with the practice for a long time I think when I was uh, working on Mu I had this notion that I had to somehow kind of um, wrestle it to the floor and pin it down and at a certain point, I realized that it was completely at odds with what needed to be done, that I needed to find a way to dance with Mu. To, to, to find a kind of flowing freedom in it rather than um, heaviness and grimness. next section is called Who is the Real You? Our essential nature is no different from that of the Buddhas. The substance of the universe is coextensive with our own Buddha nature. When our minds are clouded with delusion, however, we don't see this. We see nothing but a world of individual entities. We are unaware that we are are never separate from our essential Buddha nature, whether we realize it or not. She's restating here the the basic teaching of the Buddha from the Avatamska Sutra. All beings are Buddha, endowed with wisdom and compassion and virtue, lacking nothing and it is only because our minds have been turned upside down by delusive thinking that we fail to perceive this. When we hear that we are endowed with Buddha nature from the very beginning, we want to know where it is. We begin our search for our true nature. We may begin by reading books, listening to talks, and gradually a firm belief in the reality of Buddha nature comes about. Then we are driven to discover it with all the force of our being. And when we do, what is it that we have discovered? Only that we have never been without it. It's, it's the, the, the difficulty of this, this process actually um, 
in part comes from the fact that our Buddha nature is so intimately who and what we are that we, we, we don't see it. Sitting down and concentrating one's mind on a single matter, nothing is left unrealized. This does not mean that we control our minds. Our minds naturally settle down through our practice of mindfulness. Instead of drifting around, we truly turn our attention inward. Instead of the monkey mind condition, scrambling from one thought to thought, we just sit. We concentrate on one thing, following the breath or counting the breaths, or just letting moo do moo, or investigating what it is. Adding that there. All of the all of these are practices of turning towards the great matter, turning towards Buddha nature. Our minds set naturally settle down if we let them. If we can get rid of our egocentric preoccupation that we have to do something, then mu does mu. The body takes up its natural posture, the breath flows all by itself, and all inner and outer disturbances resolve themselves. When we try to resolve them, they only become stickier. There's nothing to do but to be ordinary, plain, and take one thing at a time. This is probably the most helpful uh, piece of instruction there is in terms of doing sishin. Take one thing at a time, one round at a time, one breath at a time. Don't imagine that we know what what's coming next. Just leave, just put our faith in the law of impermanence. If we look closely, we, we see how infrequently we actually take one thing at a time. When we're, we're eating, we'll be chewing one mouthful and uh, already getting ready to ta- take the next one. When we're going somewhere, we won't be fully just going wherever we're going, but already our mind will be at where we are intending to go. Rinzai says, The mind is without form. It pervades the ten directions and is functioning right before your eyes. Stuart continues, these are not just words for us to memorize or quote. This is a vivid expression of the mind revealing itself. Can you see it? Are you experiencing it? Are you it? Without form, it is pervading the ten directions, manifesting itself right here before us. It is no different from what one runs around seeking it. It shows itself right here, whether we can see it or not. It is not a matter of believing or not believing, knowing or not knowing, seeing or not seeing. 
It is beyond that. The way of being truly human is beyond, beyond all shapes. It has no form. When we use words like Buddha or Tathagata, there, are some, there is some danger that we think of this as something apart from us. Searching for the mystery outside oneself leads us astray. The mystery is right here. Any time we use labels, we run this risk of the, the, the label be ta- being taken for the thing itself, the, the, the finger pointing at the moon being taken for the moon. But we do it because to, to not... Uh, turn our minds towards Buddha or Tathagata and so forth is to miss what is so vital and important in our lives that that it's a really a matter of being alive or dead to be aware or not aware of these things these no things are you completely here or is part of you somewhere else Are you all of a piece or are you split? Each of you has different roles in this life. Each of you wears many different hats. But are you fundamentally aware of your own true person? Who is the real you? There is no unchanging ego. There is no entity called a soul. Everything is constantly changing in the stream of cause and effect. What has appeared vividly one moment is gone the next. Moment after moment it streams along. Beyond this coming and going, this appearing and disappearing, there is nothing else. Phenomena are coming and going, and when you ask what is real, you have already missed it. It's gone. What is real is only realized in deep zazen, deep samadhi. We pass from one conditioned state of mind to another, Dark, cloudy moments come, tears come, and then the sun comes out and we smile. The mind is clear, and then again it's troubled. It's in pain. All this is just passing by. The mind is like the sky. A bird flies in, flies out. A cloud floats in, floats out. An aeroplane comes in, goes out. And we are just here, quietly and earnestly doing zazen. With this understanding, no matter what kind of situation we get into, we find our base is strong. When things become clear, who is the real you? This is um, a good description of uh, shikantaza, especially. Just sitting. Just allowing the parade to come by, to pass through. People have said to me, it's all very well to come to the Zendo and sit in peace and quiet, but what to do when we are a go home? That's the big test, the big koan for all of us. How do we deal with this everyday life? 
We think, I have so many passions, so many things that upset me, so much going on in my life. How do I find peace of mind? Dogen said that when the clay is plentiful, the Buddha is big. He meant by clay, raw passion, lots of it. Where does the lotus grow? In the mud. If someone tells me I never get angry, I don't have any jealousy in my nature, I think, oh really? We are constantly dealing with such emotions, and they fertilize our practice. So please do not feel that you have to be in some absolutely tranquil, serene, permanently detached condition. This is not possible. It's not human. But because of this practice, when some deep emotion like anger takes hold, when our whole body is blazing with it, then in the very midst of it, we taste mu. We realize the true peace of mind that has been there all along. You have never been without it. We'll stop there and recite the four vows. <laughs> 